Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of the Event Industry News Podcast. My name is James Dixon, and our guest today is Louise Findlay-Wilson. Louise is the Managing Director of Energy PR, joins us from their head office uh, in Gloucestershire today. Louise, welcome to the podcast. Hello there, and thank you for inviting me. Not a problem at all. Um, Louise is, is, is a first-time guest on the Event Industry News Podcast, and, and uh, as I said, runs a company called Energy PR, uh, a public relations company, but with significant experience over two decades in, in working with um, event clients, event industry clients, both organisers and probably suppliers as well. And I'm sure we'll get to know a little bit more about Louise and her business as today's podcast progresses. So once again, welcome to the show, Louise. And um, tell us a little bit about the company, first of all. As I said, 20 years in business. Um, How did it come about? Oh, gosh, yes. It makes me feel incredibly old. So thanks for reminding me of the 20 years. Um, No problem at all. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I I set up the agency. I I owned another agency before, which I I set up when I was really, really young uh, and uh, sold that, set up a uh, energy with a view to it it probably being just quite a small affair. Mm. Um, And it grew, uh, which was great. And uh, so today it's a, a team of nine of us. Um, and we have lots of different clients, but we do we do have quite a lot of clients and experience, as you say, in the in the event space. And mm-hmm. that's come about by chance, really. You 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 um, you know you do some work on one show and get a reputation for for doing a good job, which is lovely. And it sort of grew from there. But um, wasn't a wasn't a plan. But then I think a lot of life isn't a plan. So um, that's probably quite a healthy thing, really. Going with the flow. Going with Absolutely. the flow. Absolutely. <laughs> Um, what, what are, what, one of the things that I wanted to ask you um, when I was looking at today's episode and what we would talk about is um, yeah. a, a, a lot of PR agencies will specialise in one particular uh, industry or sector. Yeah. Um, it's very, very commonplace. Uh, yeah. Pharmaceutical, it could be the events industry. Looking at your website and the clients that you're working with, they're not exclusively event-related clients. Now, not I'm curious to know whether or not you think that that puts you in a in a a better position because I often think that if people work just exclusively in one sector they can get tunnel vision they can just see yeah. what happens in that industry how do you draw on the experiences that you have working in other sectors with other clients and bring that into the events industry yeah I, I think that's a really good point and and I I think it is a big advantage actually I I think that if you're solely working in the events space then then you will quite understandably um have the have the perspective of, of the challenge of mm. getting exhibitors to share their stuff, content to talk about on the conference program. You know, you'll have all of that day-to-day um, challenge. And you won't have the perspective that we perhaps have um, because we work the other side of the fence doing PR for everyday businesses that might exhibit at shows. Mm-hmm. And we're, so we know what it's like when they can't get their information together on time, when they look like they're going to miss all those event opportunities. And we, we therefore, I, I think because we've got that, that take on it, I think we're quite sympathetic when dealing with exhibitors and their PR teams. Mm. Uh, we know how to get the best out of them, which I think is really important. Um, and also we bring a lot of experience from lots of sectors. And, and I think that there's a great value in drawing on the techniques that work across all sorts of different industries and seeing, well, what can they, you know, how can I apply that within the event space or for that particular market and show? Um, mm-hmm. So I think there's a lot of cross, cross-pollination that, that comes from it as well. 
That's interesting. And, 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 and I guess as well, though, you, you get to draw on, on what, um, in this day and age, platforms work because yeah. we live in, you know, we now work in an age where there are, we talk about platforms, don't we? We talk about yeah. different vertical strands and, yeah. and, and which platforms are we going to utilise and what, what are going to be most relevant. And um, yeah. I guess yeah. you, will, you will have come across new ways of not just doing things, but new platforms that you can deliver communications to uh, yeah. and draw that into other sectors. Yeah, I think so. I think I think the, obviously in terms of social and and you know all the different channels that you can reach audiences with, we've got some really good insights into um, how to reach different types of decision makers, what excites them, what, you know, um, how to measure across some of those platforms. That you know those kinds of things. We also have, I think, because we're working in, with lots of different industry sectors, we can say if we're then working with a big show organizer who buys a show in a new market for them mm. i think it's quite handy for them to be able to say to us actually do you know anything about this market yeah. it's a new yeah. one for us and the fact that we've worked with clients in lots and lots of different sectors means i think we're quite a valuable addition in terms of market insight and in intel for them so um, i think it works really well from that as well actually Mm, absolutely just just uh, i mean I, I don't want to dwell too much on the fact that you did 20 years and all the rest of it. and i know and i know you jokingly said it makes you but you know it makes you feel like you've been around for a long time but yeah what that also does is is give you a, a lot of points of reference and, and, and yeah. experience and and seeing things develop and change quite considerably and yeah. i remember going back now uh 15 or so years to when i started working in in the advertising industry selling advertising as a, as yeah. a sales rep and you know and you would still get this is 2005 envelopes landing each day with a printed press release oh and, a, God, yeah. and a cd containing all the <laughs> images that, that were relevant to that press release I and know. even things like that you know we, we, the landscape has changed dramatically hasn't it in how we actually de deliver those communications yeah it's, it's utterly different I, I look back on how i first did the job um when i was starting out and i, I cannot imagine how how it got done and yet it did and it was done to a, a great start you know within the confines of what the way we were working it, mm -hmm. it, it all worked fine um but it it's the speed with which you can gather and share information react to an audience the, the the way you can ride off the back of things so quickly now i mean it makes it it makes a fantastic difference but that said i, I think um there are still some real fundamentals that are uh, that are true and, and are the same the same sort of from from way back then to now which is around nothing actually beats having really good content mm -hmm. I think you needed it back then um, and, and actually you really needed it back then because you didn't have the proliferation of media that you've now you now got you know today a, a, a pretty shoddy PR agency can can put out something that's moderate and know well there's a whole load of online portals that that need content and they'll be able to persuade somebody somewhere to carry it and i can probably persuade a client somewhere that this is a piece of successful exposure yeah. um, whereas back then and, and i'm not endorsing them doing that but i think that that that's possible to happen whereas back yeah. then because you didn't have all those channels you know your stories had to be really good because you were all mm -hmm. fighting for a reasonably focused bunch of media that had quite demanding criteria and it and if your story didn't work with them there was no one else who was going to mop it up and 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 give you some kind of uh, results for it so yeah. uh, you know it, it it instilled a really good, good lot of discipline in terms of spotting good content making it work um media relationships making those work understanding what people need you know i think it was i think it was a good a good old um yeah. for developing your skills 
and and and, it, and it's interesting that you sort of, sort of mentioned that that side of things and those points in in that you know it would have been about column inches wouldn't it you know how, yeah, how many yeah. column inches did you you know how much exposure was there was there a picture alongside it how yeah. many words did they carry of the press release yeah. um, but there are so many different ways of of monitoring and, and and sort of identifying what a successful campaign would be and and how would that manifest itself with your event related clients what demands are they making of you as a, as a pr agency when it comes to actually justifying what they see as a successful campaign or not yeah um i think I think when we, I mean, we have a very collaborative relationship with our with our clients, which I think is the ideal, actually. So mm. uh, when we have a, a wash up meeting where we're discussing the campaign that's just happened, invariably attached to the show that's just happened, you know, it all happens at the same time. Mm. We sit down, review the show, the PR element of the show, how it's all gone. Um, and that review will include you know, yes, they want some some sense of the the inputs. You know, what's the physical sort of um, work that you did? The you know the the number of features you secured and the yeah. number of interview opportunities. Well, there's some sort of metrics like that. Uh, yeah. But we're also then going to be measuring audience reach, engagement, um, how that pe- peaks in the build up to the show, what happens during the show. We'll be looking at the sort of sentiment within that. We'll look at the sort of profile of the audiences that we've been reaching. Uh, and to be honest, nothing actually beats also feedback from the exhibitors, you know, yeah. how they've found it, how supportive they've found it. So that'll be measured quite closely. And mm. um, there's a whole, a whole combination of metrics that's, that will give you an indication of, of how good a job the agency's done for you. And, and we expect to be judged on all of that, really. How does, that, how does the landscape change uh, between a B2B and a B2C show? Yeah. Um, when you mentioned things like, you know, uh, uh, press coverage, not just press coverage, but interview opportunities, you know, yeah. is that going to be less prevalent in B2B than it would be in B2C marketplaces? I, I think, I think that the, I think for obviously for B2B, you've got a more focused niche of media that's going to be interested. Um, mm-hmm. You still could get interview st- content around and, and opportunities around that, but they're, they're going to be quite focused. Whereas with a, a consumer facing show, you've got that whole, sort of consumer media piece to go for. But that said, you know, the the competition for for consumer exposure is is quite high. Um, yeah. and if if consumer media covered every show that was out there, they'd be talking about nothing else but shows. So I think it's <laughs> no easy task to get a show um, you know some consumer you know pure really high profile consumer exposure i think it's a it's a tough old old, old gig for agencies that are looking after um consumer shows um, i think it also fundamentally because your you, your task is to get you know help the organizer get footfall and i think that um i think whereas with b2b i think there's a there's still a a really solid um, incentive for, for businesses to attend shows. They've got, you know, they, they, they're finding it increasingly difficult to get face to face with people. And so all those economies of getting face to face work really well. I think when you're competing to attract a consumer who's got lots of other possible ways to spend their time, persuading them to go to a, a show and spend their time there, I think is, is, um, is a, a, a proper challenge. And I think, you know, you, you make it work by, delving into the niches, identifying all those areas of, of, the, of the audience, groups of the audience that are interested in that niche and are, are fans and enthusiasts, finding the influencers to work with. All of that, you have to work really, really focused and hard because I think, I think people have got a lot of choice about what, how they spend their time and that's fine. 
absolutely um just i'm going to get, go back to something that you mentioned about uh, yeah. working it, it, with the with the tools and the means that you have at your disposal now compared yeah. to you know uh, 20 years ago um sure. and the speed of response and speed at which you can get things done now um arouse yeah. uh, a, 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 a question in me which is that it has pr become more reactive than it was 20 years ago when you started because of the way that you can now communicate to people so instead of just generating content and thinking about content and putting it out there and not so much hoping for a response but you know putting just put it out there you now have the ability to react to social media posts from a potential visitor to to look at digital content and think actually we could expand on that straight away you know does it has it made the job more reactive than it was yeah i think i think it's i think it's added a layer to the job so i think the the job has i think i don't think anything's been reduced in any other way i think you still got to do all the other stuff you used to do i just think you've got this this opportunity actually fantastic opportunity to interact very um, directly with the end audience respond to their interests pick up on their their vibe if you like point them towards stuff that you think is of interest to them ride on the back of the national news agenda and and look like you're in touch with what's going on and you're relevant to that that of the moment story Mm -hmm. Um, so I think there's lots and lots of scope to be incredibly responsive and and engaged with with the end audience which is fantastic I mean fantastic for show organizers to to be able to um, you know, really operate at the heart of the audience and 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 be engaged with them in that way. So, I, yeah, I think it's it's a challenge for some. I mean, nothing gets away from the the pure fact that if you're working on a show, the same the, the inputs that you're relying on probably take as long to sort out as they ever did. So you're relying on the show content, the exhibitors to tell you about their stuff they're doing, the conference program to be sorted out and, and for you to know what that all is mm-hmm. all the show features to be buttoned down and for them to sound interesting you know that's all a whole huge amount of work for the organizer to get themselves sorted with that and i think i think that hasn't got any faster i think that's a huge chore for them a huge task and you wait for that material to come in i think where the difference lies is once you've got that material you can dice and slice it in so many ways now and feed out elements of it to different bits of the audience different niches um, and be really really tailored which is fantastic because we, we we're all quite complex um creatures you know we have interests that we you know we'll go to a show but there might be a particular aspect of it that really fires us up and being able to identify that bit and accentuate that bit as far as the audience is concerned i think is is really powerful Mm, absolutely um well if a new event organizer event related client comes to you is there would they need to come to you with a very clear brief of what they want to to achieve or is there is there an expectation that you as the PR company will need to learn everything about their industry and about their show and what they want to do and and the pressure is on you to find out about them or do you you know is it a a mix of both I think it's a bit of a two-way street um so we um we will have people come to us um who've not got a brief and they've just got a bit of um collateral you know a brochure or you know the a couple of features that they had last year for their show, whatever it might be. And they've got the, yeah. the, the, the loosest of, you know, it's not even a brief, that's fine. It's just a, here's a flavor of what our show's about. And with any client anyway, even if we've got a brief from them, we'll want to sit down with them and absolutely understand, okay, you know, tell me where your show is at, how it got, how it went last year, if, it, if it's a, an ongoing event or if it's brand new, well, okay, what are the aspirations for this show? 
let's understand the audience, let's understand your exhibitor base, let's understand the targets, you know, your objectives as an organisation. We, we want to get under the skin of that, no matter who it is, um, and then we, we will um, go away and, and work, um, work from our end in terms of understanding and, and knowing the media we need to be working with, the influencers we might want to be working with, coming up with suggestions of topics and things we think will work within that space, you know, that will help with a lot of that just as part of our proposal development, obviously, for, for a show. But mm. we're, we're happy for people to have not very much on paper, but as long as they're up for a conversation. That's the, the crucial thing is the conversation where they, yeah. they just can talk us through it all. I mean, uh, uh, rightly or wrongly, I, I would suggest that, that your the results that you could achieve mm. as a PR company and as a PR mm. agency are only as good as the information that you've yeah. given by the client that you're working for. So yeah. if they're not forthcoming in making sure they're keeping you up to date with new speakers that have been booked yeah. to attend a, to, to, to deliver a session and what yeah. you know, gi giving you a professional biog of that speak, you know, all of that yeah. sort of key information that you need that you can turn in to content related yeah. activity yeah. um is it fair to say that your results are only as good as, as the information that you're actually being fed from the organizer yeah I, I think to a degree i think that's really true i think i think it's i think in most situations it's a it's a collaboration anyway you know we're 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 in it with the with the client, with the exhibition organiser, trying to make their show as successful as we can possibly make it through our part in the process, which is the PR. And and so I think it's in, they know that. They So they most clients work quite hard to keep us fed with information. They're not trying to catch us out and mm -hmm. go, aha, you know, you're useless without me. You know, see how I proved that point. Well, brilliant. And now we've all suffered as a result. No, none of them are like that. They 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 want the thing to be a success. So, um, and to be honest, we are, we can be pretty self-starting. So, um, we, I think one of our strengths, and, and I think we've got a few strengths, but I think one of our strengths is that uh, is that we're very self-starting. So, if we if we know that that if a client's just got a, a speaker lined up, they don't even know what the speaker's going to be talking about. So that that's not absolutely buttoned down yet. We can still get moving in terms of pitching content from that expert that can be used to trail the show more generally. You know, the fact that the, that, that content from them isn't specifically what they're covering at the show won't really matter because it's just demonstrating their expertise and their sphere of excellence and, and acting as a neat traveler show. So we can do quite a lot to trail a show without the show having all its details buttoned down, actually. Mm -hmm. um, we're pretty self-starting. We, we, we make the content that we are given um, work really, really hard. Um, so, uh, you know, we, we can go quite a long way um, without the client having buttoned everything down. Um, I'm happy to say, because the, the big problem is that a lot of that detail doesn't get decided until really close to the show. And, yeah. and if, you're, if you're waiting till last 11th hour for everything to be perfect to then do your PR magic, you haven't got much of a PR program, tell me, I can tell you. So we, <laughs> we've got to crack on before then, so, uh, which we do. Yeah. Uh, how how extensive do your uh, campaigns manifest themselves when it comes to actually working post event? Because yeah. any any event organizer worth their salt will will tell you you know you can't just do a bit beforehand, deliver the event, and then go quiet for nine yeah. months and then ramp it up two months before next year. You know, yeah. it, it, music festivals are a great example. You know, the best ones are are constantly delivering content on their social media feeds. Yeah. Um, uh, how has how has that 
has that changed significantly irrespective of the technology that you've now got yeah. to deliver the content has that changed at all have you always been an advocate of continually you know putting yeah. messages out there yeah i i've always felt that and um, i've always felt that it's 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 pretty important to keep that audience it's much easier to keep the audience engaged on side stay relevant to them and then wrap things up as as your event gets closer. I can completely understand how a lot of show organizers don't really want to do an awful lot of that because their revenue is all around the show. That's where they make their money and they don't, they want to invest as much as they can around the show itself and kind of anything that's after the event feels like, Oh, well, I'm, 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 that's money I'm never going to get back. And on a show that's been, it's, it's rather than seeing it as, building the brand for the next one that you're going to do. So I, I, I completely guess how there's a tension there between the, what's an ideal practice and the commercial realities of being sure. a show organiser. Um, yeah. But yeah, we, we definitely do um, quite a bit of post-show work with clients. So we'll, we'll um, keep, the, keep the content going. Um, for some, we'll carry on uh, managing social channels after the, after the show has happened, particularly if there are um, other events that are competitive to them, yeah. there are sort of coming up behind them then they'll want to keep the buzz around their event going whilst those rival shows are going on and that's absolutely fine um we also will do um you know there might be content that they're wanting to show on their portals that's ongoing sort of interviews with people who are involved in the event or you know sort of the headline speakers or to keep the halo of 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 sort of good news and 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 interest going um after the after the event is finished so we'll we'll do quite a lot of that but there is a natural lull um between the end of one show and the start of the other from a pr point of view and there will be a little bit of a quiet time where the client tends to carry on looking after the social channels themselves um the media activity will quieten down quite a lot in comparison to then that build up which Mm. we we kick off with again um a lot of bigger trade shows, or not even trade shows, sorry, a lot of bigger events, and, and mm. it could be an exhibition or, or, or a conference, whatever, um, will have an in-house either PR team or PR mm-hmm. person. Yep. Um, how does how, Have you come across clients before who, A, have said to you, well, why do we need an agency to come in and help us? We've got yeah. somebody in-house. Yeah. But when, when you do get that foot in the door and you, you are asked to work alongside an in-house team, is yeah. there ever a conflict there? Is it a sharing of ideas? Can it can it be tricky? Yeah, it's not tricky at all, really. I think I think if um, we don't tend to try and sort of bully our way into where there's a setup and say, oh well, that's you know what you're doing is dreadful and let us let us make it all better. Um, mm. For the most part, we're called in because the the internal person often they're not a pure PR person to be honest they're a marketing manager on a show and they've got a lot of responsibilities that they've got to worry about you know they're yeah. they're sorting out all the biz prom the email marketing the talking to all the media partners they, you know that yeah. that's a massive job I mean nobody works harder than an, an event manager you know an event marketer the show director those people are you know, they've got a huge raft of work to get through. So I think for them to be able to um, pass off a big chunk of responsibility that's all around the the media piece um, and where there's lots of relentless deadlines and it's just like, that's a whole bunch of deadlines I don't need to worry about. That's a whole bunch of conversations I don't need to have because I can pass it off to this 
team that's acting like an extension of my internal team, I think that's, they find that quite useful. I, I think if somebody was a pure PR person in-house, um, we still would work very successfully with them. You just agree who's doing what and, mm. you know, they're, they're presumably getting you in because they haven't got the bandwidth to do it all themselves. So they're usually sure. pretty grateful for the chance to pass stuff off to someone else. Yeah. When it comes to things like social media, a lot of businesses now, but big, yeah. big companies will have, uh, so having a social media manager is, is, is not, you know, an yeah. unusual job title to see nowadays. Is there a difference between managing social media effectively and delivering good quality PR and, and, and results via a PR strategy? Or are they one and the same? Do, do they interlink or, or should they be treated as separate entity? Uh, I, I, my start point is always, um, you know, what are you trying to achieve as an organization? And so I think you say, okay, who am I trying to reach? What do I want them to do? What do they need to think about my show in order to turn up? You know, that that's the kind, or, or in order to exhibit, whatever it is you're trying to, you're worrying about. And I yeah. think the, the channel that you reach them through will vary, but the, the logic behind it all is the same. And I think therefore the, the social activity will be, part of the same puzzle you're you're trying to shift a heart and mind get into somebody's diary get into their their plans so that they think yes on that date i'm going to be there doing that because that that sounds exciting it sounds interesting it's what you know and i think whether it's social media delivering some content and and uh, interaction and wooing the person to make them think that or something in a more mainstream media sense that does that as well. I think it's all very complementary. So I, I, I think there's a natural fit between the two because you won't use exactly the same content, obviously, on both, but the themes can be similar. The um, You might do something in one sense and then have a sort of twist on the way you play it out on social channels, which makes it work really nicely um and uh, and we'll work very again we'll work very happily alongside somebody in-house who's managing social channels yeah. so if they've got a, a social media manager who's doing the do across the board they're invariably looking after a number of shows um in my experience you know they've got uh, very very few shows will afford a person that does nothing but social for a show that's yeah. that's quite rare these days i'd say and so they're probably juggling a number of, of agendas and um and so they will be very grateful of some extra support particularly during the, the pure heat of the show you know when the show's happening a couple of months before during the show a couple of months afterwards they'll probably be quite grateful for for some additional action from someone who's uh, very closely wedded to all of the content, knows what's going on in the media, knows all the news hooks. You know, we're perfectly placed to kind of feed that machine, I think. So I think I think they're quite happy to have that support. Mm. And, and and finally, before we um, before we wrap up um, today's episode yeah. of the podcast, um, if you if we ignore for a second the how, as in uh, digital communication, so using laptops, mobile phones, tablets to communicate, yeah. so, so the way that we send that message. Are there any new innovations to be had within PR and have there been any new innovations or fundamentally does it come back to what you said quite in the beginning, which is it's all about the content? I think um, it's a really interesting point. I'm trying to think the, the, there's a lot of things you can do now because of the channels and because yeah. of the technology, but I, I do think the, the fundamental that you have to tap into, whichever way you do it, is 
I'm, I'm expecting this person to spend that amount of time at this lo physical location on this date. And whether it's a B2B or a B2C show, you've got to have some way of resonating with them so that they think, you know, yeah, you know, that's fantastic. And yes, there are all sorts of techniques and tools now that where they can share the fact they're going to be at a show so that everyone else knows and they can, and you can do lots of initiatives to, to encourage groups to gather at your show and do special initiatives around your show so that so that you get that those um those groupings there together and playing on that sort of whole um sort of um sort of camaraderie of the group that yeah. might be assembled online but but the fundamental the, the fundamental is you are battling with human nature and mm. and we haven't changed that much in 20 years i tell you you know we we still all feel very busy time poor why would I care? Why would I go? Okay. You know, and that's the, still the magic you've got to, you've got to, um, to master. Absolutely. Our guest today on the podcast is Louise Findlay-Wilson. Louise is the Managing Director of Energy PR. Energypr.co.uk is their website if you want to find out a little bit more about them. And I think on Twitter it's at EnergyPR, as simple as that, I think, on, um, That's it. You've on got it. Twitter. Um, so, yeah, thank you very much to, to Louise for joining us today. Talking about PR strategy, working not just exclusively with uh, event, uh, event industry clients, but um, with significant experience of working with shows and suppliers and uh, just tapping a little bit into the mindset of the PR person today and uh, hopefully giving us all a little bit of a better understanding about that how, how really difficult task is achieved within the industry. Louise, thanks very much for joining us today. Absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. If you're watching the video of today's podcast, then uh, Podbean or iTunes or whatever your favorite or chosen podcast download app is, head over there and you'll find the Event Industry News podcast in audio form to download to your mobile devices, listen to on your commute, to and from work, or if you're out and about somewhere and you've got 20 minutes to tap into one of our podcasts. The flip side to that, of course, is if you are listening to today's podcast, go over to eventindustrynews.com. All of the podcasts are there, available to watch back as video versions. And whilst you're on the website, you can also check out the latest news features and content that's on event industry news and that brings us to the end of today's episode my name's james dixon our guest today has been louise findley wilson and we'll see you on the next edition of the podcast thanks very much goodbye mm -hmm.